I am Sinclair Lyle and I'm Tyler Aglaroitok. We're here in Cambridge Bay Nunavut and today we're going to talk about hunting. Tyler, along with Sinclair, are our storytellers today on this episode of Explore, a Canadian Geographic podcast. Hi, and welcome to all you explorers out there, armchair and in motion. I'm your host, David McGuffin. This is our second episode from Cambridge Bay Nunavut for a segment we're calling Passing the Mic. Before we get to that, a reminder that we're holding our second annual RCGS Polar Plunge fundraiser for this podcast on March 6th. I would love it if you can help. Since 2019, we've been bringing unique Canadian storytelling from places like Nunavut and all over Canada. Coming to you bi-weekly, our audience continues to grow with Explore now charting on Apple Podcasts in Canada and around the world. Producing quality podcasts takes time, effort, and money. To keep this podcast going, we need your help. Please consider making a donation by visiting rcgs.org forward slash polar plunge. And thank you. So, as listeners from the last episode will remember, I spent a week in Cambridge Bay in late November and early December last year, spending time at the Canadian High Arctic Research Station and with the Inuit community who've been on that land for millennia, now living in a cozy cluster of one- and two-story homes on the south coast of Victoria Island, overlooking the frozen Northwest Passage. Part of what I was doing up there was running podcast workshops for Inuit youth, This included holding podcasting open houses for the community and working with the two young men who will be taking the reins from me in this episode. Tyler Aglahoytok is 22 and has his own photography business in Cambridge Bay. His partner in this episode is Sinclair Lyle. He's 24, works at the local school, and also runs his own video production business. The following is an interview they produced together in our workshop about Tyler's favorite memories of hunting out in the tundra near Cambridge Bay. As well as shaping and recording the interview, they also helped edit the final version. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I did in working with them on it. And a note, this episode contains descriptions of the hunting of a variety of animals, which may be disturbing to some listeners. Harvesting animals from the land and waters has been done by the Inuit in a responsible way for centuries and hunting remains an important and sustainable part of food security for northern communities like Cambridge Bay. Hello everybody, welcome to the Red and Green Show. I'm Sinclair Lyle and... I'm Tyler Aglaroitok. We're here in Cambridge Bay, Nunavut, and today we're going to talk about hunting. Hello Tyler, how's it going today, sir? Good, and yourself? I'm doing well, thank you very much. So, please tell me what story you're about to say. About April, May, I got a message from a friend asking me if I wanted to take along in a goose hunt. And I didn't hesitate to say, yeah, because I haven't been out hunting in about five, six years prior to that. Ever since that first hunting trip, every day he messaged me, let's go geese hunting, let's go geese hunting. Every day, you're up, let's go geese hunting. And then after I start noticing that he wanted to go geese hunting every day, I've been getting up before him. You're up, let's go geese hunting. When he gets up, just getting ready. Okay, I'll be down soon. What did you like going out? Uh, about the first first trip we went out, 
we were looking for a good geese hunting spot to sit around. We drove up a hill, and right where we stopped, there was a falcon sitting there eating a ptarmigan. Yep. And when we stopped, it flew off, and it flew off with the ptarmigan. And I said, look, Josh, there's a last bits of the ptarmigan that that falcon left. And he said, oh, harsh. First time see that. And I said, me too, man. Pretty cool to see. And uh, we found we finally found a good hunting spot. And about 20 minutes into sitting around, geese started coming around. Um, we let those sit sit around f- so that more geese can come. And, uh, and Josh gives me the 222. And uh, he said, there's some geese over there. Try and go get some. Nothing. Nothing. And then about five shots left into the shooting. He's like, okay, good enough for a while. Might see some more. And then I said, all right. Some more geese comes. And uh, Josh says, let's try switch guns. We might, we might probably catch some. So he gives me the shotgun. And I give him the 222. Just like that, we started catching geese. <laughs> Josh caught the first goose with the 222, and the rest of the geese got spooked. Boom! I dropped on with the shotgun. Nice. How long did you guys stay out that day? I was staying at the men's shelter at the time, so I had a curfew that was 11 p.m. Yep. We were out about every day from about lunchtime after one o'clock until my curfew. Nice. Did you have fun when, every time you went out? Yep. Uh, the first trip, I I didn't keep any geese. I gave them all away yep. to whoever can't go out hunting. So I gave a goose to my grandmother. I gave a goose to my great-grandmother. And... There's another person I gave a goose to, but I can't remember. Uh, Throughout that, the spring we caught about 25 to 30 geese. Nice. And throughout all those geese, I kept two. Nice. What else did you guys see out there besides geese? About the third or fourth trip we went on. I got bored of sitting around, so I went for a walk up the hill. And as I was getting comfortable in a spot, I I uh, spotted a fox. And then I was watching the fox, and then out of nowhere it starts sprinting. And then I look about maybe 20, 40 feet to the right, in front of the fox, it's chasing after a goose. Oh. A, a tired out goose, so it can't fly anymore. Yep. So it's just trying to flap its wings and run away on the ground. And eventually the fox got it. Oh. That was a pretty cool experience to see. What did you like about going out? Uh, connecting with the land, spending time with the friend, having peace out 
where there is no cell phone service and just connecting with each other. What was the best experience you had out of the whole trip? Uh, the best experience, um, me and Josh, we were laying down, waiting for geese, and out of nowhere we spot about a flock of maybe 10 geese flying as fast as they can. He, Josh points to them and he said, right there, cuz, try, try out my shotgun or my dad's shotgun. So I aim about five, ten feet in front of the first goose. The second goose drops. Boom. <laughs> Bounces about 15, 20 feet. Boom. Boom. I didn't expect to catch any of those geese because they were flying so freaking fast. <laughs> and it was uh, cool to see Josh drop two geese out of one flock. Nice. Out of all, the whole trip, what did you learn out of this? I learned how to navigate more on the west side of our Cambridge Bay territory. Because I've only grew up on the eastern side of Cambridge. (laughs) So it was pretty pretty good to uh, get to know more of the west side. Out of all your hunting trips, which one is your best hunting trip ever? Out of every single hunting trip you ever went to? It was probably when um, me, my brother Sam, and my brother Sam's dad was uh, chasing down a female wolf. And another, another hunting trip was recently in... October 2020, I was with uh, on, uh, attending a hunt and heal trip, and uh, about two days into the hunt and heal, we spotted a female and a male wolf for about 45 minutes to an hour. Me and Ryan Angohaitok was um, tiring out the wolf about 45, 50 feet away from the wolf, chasing it. Ryan was right behind the wolf and I was just a bit out to the left to make sure that the wolf doesn't go more inland because you want to keep the wolf from going more inland because the more inland you go, the more rough it gets. So you want to keep it as close to the ocean as possible. Uh, At first I was right behind Ryan and then my stepdad told me that you want to keep predators away from high high ground and that triggered me so I kind of started to brush to the left and that kept the wolf from going more inland and uh, we eventually got to tire out the wolf and Ryan got it. Nice. Uh, that would have been my first wolf catch ever but um Ryan's belt busted on his side-by-side, and he had to take my quad. Uh, About two minutes into him chasing the wolf with the quad, I heard one gunshot. Boom. Two minutes later, I see him coming up the hill with something white behind him, bouncing. It was the wolf. Nice. 
he stood up after he was finished cutting it, arm straight, holding the nose, tail brushing the ground. Oh. It was a young male, he was saying. Nice. At the beginning of the chase, if I was thinking much better, I could have stopped and I could have grabbed one of the person's a rifle, and I could have went to chase the other wolf, but I was mainly focusing on sticking with Ryangang Haitok because he's a really good um, hunter and uh, guider. Yep. And I wanted to um, follow in his steps. Nice. But I could have went and got my first wolf by myself, but I wanted guidance into chasing my first wolf. Nice. How did it go, that hunting trip? Everything went perfect, other than um, me hitting a bump and injuring my left wrist. Oh. But I didn't really feel anything until we got to the cabin because I had so much adrenaline going through my body. Did you have fun that day? Yep, I had a lot of fun. Nice. Who was all with you guys that day? Uh, there was two or three females and about five or six male. On the way there, we all arrived on quads. That took us six hours to get to our destination. But on the way back, the female, they went by boat. So it gave us, the men, um, a lot more faster time travel. Because um, when we were... Uh, traveling with the woman by quad, we didn't want them to tire out so fast, so we were taking things slow. And um, when we were coming back, we know that I've, every man was able to um, withstand the speed of the trip. So it, we cut the trip down four hours. We arrived into town from our destination in two hours. Nice. We were um, just getting into town and we were driving along the shore going back to the wellness center and we can see the boat just arriving. And uh, usually when you go by boat, you arrive faster than the quads on land. Yep. It was a fun trip. We, we On the way back, we mostly coasted the beach. Full throttle, all of us. It was a lot of fun. I guess that's pretty much about everything. Mm-hmm. for listening to the Red and Green Show. I'm Tyler Aglaroito. Until next communion, this is Sinclair Lyle signing out. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. If you did and enjoyed this podcast and the stories we bring you, please donate to the RCGS Polar Plunge by visiting rcgs.org forward slash polar plunge. It helps keep this unique Canadian storytelling alive. And be sure to check in for our next episode, which is honestly one of the most powerful I think we've done in our four years of Explore. It's with one of the few remaining people who grew up in a completely nomadic, traditional Inuit lifestyle before being forced off the land by the government in the 1960s. My name is George Pamiok Anuhiatuk. I think I'm one of a very few left that have seen both worlds. 
we spent our time in igloos, snow houses uh, made with traditional tools, traditional snow knife. There was nothing that I could see was modern, acquired from the modern world. Everything we had was uh, handcrafted out of wood, dripped wood, horns, uh, bones of the animals that we, we harvested or my father harvested. So it was all traditional. Wow, so not even a rifle in that. Not even a rifle. Wow. Definitely check back in for this one. And remember to rate and review us where you listen. It helps more people to find these interviews. And thank you for listening. Until next time, when we'll explore again, I'm David McGuffin. Of our June 10th with a fur brigade consisting of a number of York boats, each manned by 10 voyageurs. For us, Inuit, it means that Inuit oral history is very strong. Every little over every inch of the country that could be, we're hoping that he would fire at us. Oh, I guess 165 or so. Yeah, shrimp fishing around outside. It's just fabulous here. Well, I'm a first for Canada.